Hey there, Edge friends. Welcome to the PL Playbook Podcast, a show about all things related to professional learning and education. I'm your host, Jackie Weinkoop, proud Pennsylvania educator, secondary instructional coach, and co-founder of Belfont Reads, a dedicated group of book lovers with a mission to put quality books in the hands of children and families. Before we dig into today's podcast, I just have to share some really exciting news. If you've listened to episode number two, you know that I have just a little bit of a crumble cookie obsession. Well, this is probably not a good thing for my waistline or my wallet, but a location just opened in State College. It's only about a 20-minute drive from my house, but that definitely hasn't stopped me because I've been there already twice in the past two weeks. All jokes aside, the last episode focused on the topic of department-level book studies. This week, I'm chatting with one amazing educator about her coaching team's take on virtual book studies. All right, so I am super excited to introduce a special guest on today's episode. So Laura, if you don't mind sharing a little bit about yourself, that would be awesome. So I'm Laura Mandel, and I am one of the instructional coaches for the Ephrata Area School District. We are located in Ephrata, Pennsylvania, which is in central Pennsylvania. I am the instructional coach for grades 9 through 12. Our district has three instructional coaches, one for K to four, one for five to eight, and then I'm the nine to 12 coach. I had a couple former jobs, um, high school administrator being the most recent. I was in that role and left it for my dream job, which is instructional coaching. And prior to that, I taught secondary English. I taught grades six through 11 at varying points in that part of my career. So lots of different things. Yeah. You know, I did not realize this before we were talking, but did you know that I also was an administrator who left because I love instructional coaching? Did you know that? So I think you mentioned it in one of your first podcasts and I thought about it and was like, that's really strange because I've never heard of anyone other than me to do it. Oh my gosh. People thought I was crazy because, and I'm sure you probably felt the same things, right? Being in that supervisory role. Um, that could be, were you in the same building, by the way? Did you go and yes. be, a, okay. So that same for me, I was the middle school vice principal. And then, so kind of a little bit of a story here, but I was the instructional coach for a while. I ended up leaving to be the director of gifted in a neighboring school district. Um, really wanted to be in a school building though, and be around kids. And so when the position opened up back at my original school in Belfont as middle school vice principal, I was like, oh yes, awesome. Okay. Cause the administrator also, the principal is amazing. And I really enjoy working with her or working with her. So um, I came back and was in that role and it, it wasn't necessarily the role, you know, definitely the role of a vice principal can be challenging for many different reasons, but I just over time really, really miss that coaching role. It literally is. I feel like the dream job, <laughs> the dream job, at least for me. So yeah, that's really, really cool that we both had that background and I remember people really thinking, hey, you're crazy, like really to go yes. back or thinking that it was going to be so tough then to transition from supervisor to then back to peer. And but honestly, it was very seamless. So was it the same way for you? 
so I had taught in a different district before getting the administrative role in my current district. So it was a little more challenging because I went from introducing myself as an administrator to then becoming a mm -hmm. colleague and peer in a different way. Um, but it, it was seamless. I don't think there were too many challenges. It was just people were questioning why I did it yeah. because that's not the typical path. Definitely not. Um, but I just love instruction and mm -hmm. being an instructional leader was really important for me. Um, so this just, I think, allows me to elevate that part of who I am and that passion that I have. So my my principal, he, he's still the same principal who I worked under as the assistant principal, but his one of his first questions for me was, where do you see yourself in five years? Because no one stays an assistant principal forever. Yep. And I so appreciated it, but my response was doing something with curriculum and instruction. Mm -hmm. And then when this all transpired, he was like, I knew it. You told me. <laughs> well, it really so. is. It really is a, such a unique role, but such an important role, uh, which is why, you know, one of the reasons why I invited you on, because as coaches, you know, we wear a lot of different hats. And but one of our main roles is to provide that job embedded professional learning and just other types of professional learning opportunities for staff. So the main reason why I invited you on today was to talk about your experience in facilitating and planning uh, book studies, and in particular, virtual book studies. Because last week, I, or on the last episode, I had on a different guest who was a department chair um, for his English department and led book studies with his department. But you lead them in a different way virtually. So if you don't mind taking listeners down the journey of what that's looked like for your district and just sharing the ins and outs of how you make that happen. So the virtual book studies really came from this uh, requirement that the district has. So I know you did a session on a podcast on trade days and trade time. We have that, but we also have what we call flex days. And they are required days. There are two of them that each professional staff member needs to complete. And they're meant to be focused on learning and improvement of curriculum and things like that. They are choice-based, um, district offerings, local IU offerings, conferences. It's, it's open, but they need to be approved. So as coaches, we tend to either host the days live, there are six hour days, um, or you know, create an asynchronous module or even like a synchronous virtual session where we cover different content. And what we, basically what we found was we were reading books and then we were synthesizing that information to develop these days or that professional learning session. And there's such an important piece when you read the book and you make meaning from what you're reading and you make the connections. And we started to feel like, why are we doing that? Yeah. Staff members should have the opportunity to read the books, to make meaning, to spark ideas, and really drive their own learning from the things we were already using. So basically we started to pick out some books that we vetted as coaches and there were four different coaches, um, three others than me that worked on these book studies. And basically we approached the district two years ago to say, can we do this? Mm -hmm. And if we do it, will you pay for the books? Yeah, that's and, important. <laughs> yeah, so we got approval for two different books that year 
and we ran one of them with a number of people in it. And then the following year, which was this past summer, we ran with, I think it was six or seven different books. And the district said, yep, we'll pay for them if people want to do them. And um, they let the one, one flex day count for the book. So you could read two books if you wanted. Um, so one of the warnings is kind of, it might take you longer than six hours. Right. But it, it, it does count for one flex day. Yeah. Now what, so if you don't mind sharing the books that you chose, that would be great. Yeah, sure. So we chose um, Bold School by Weston Kieschnick. Mm -hmm. And Bold School is basically blended learning at its finest. So he teaches us that technology is awesome, but that teachers are better. And we are often focused too much on that fancy, flashy tool and not enough on the pedagogy behind it. Um, so there's there's a really big focus on intentional integration of technology. Yes, I love um, that. He actually has a new text that I think we're going to try for next summer instead of Bold School, which is called the Educator's Atlas. So if anyone's listening and wants to pick up another one, that one is your roadmap to engagement, is what he says. Um, and basically, how do we make memorable learning experiences for our students? Um, Another book we did this past summer was Building Thinking Classrooms in Mathematics by Peter Liljedahl. And that text, while it's about math in particular, it's really about teaching practices that are going to enhance student thinking and allow students to really have some agency in their learning. So we had, um, I'm trying to think how many people did that, but I would say only maybe a quarter of the people who signed up were actually math teachers. Wow. So we really yeah. tried to say, even though it says math, it's not just math. <laughs> um, so that part was really, really important for us too. We did equity by design. And this is kind of a blend of the UDL mindset and equipping teachers with ways to change predictable outcomes for historically underserved students. Um, our other grading from the inside out, we are moving in a mindset shift to proficiency-based grading and assessment. So we chose that book as a way to help shift some mindsets from that traditional grading practice to a proficiency-based system. Um, basically, we used to teach one way and things have changed and we need to update our thinking and our practices behind it. What's really nice about that text is they have what to do with your students and then how to communicate with parents oh, as well great. because it's a mind shift for everyone. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, that that's a huge, I know it's a huge push and a lot of districts are at least thinking about moving in that direction, but I think probably the process of doing so is overwhelming. So it's nice that they give totally. both of those pieces. And we did hacking questions, which we had off, offered two summers now. Um, that's Connie Hamilton, and there are a lot of different hacking question or hacking something books out there, but Hacking Questions has practical, ready-to-use strategies for any content and any grade level. So it's really about boosting engagement, ensuring students are doing the thinking and the learning. Um, and it starts out with this idea that teachers ask an average of 300 to 400 questions per day. So yeah. we need to maybe ask some less questions and ask better questions to elicit the thinking from our students yeah. so that they're the ones who are really 
engaged in what we like to call cognitive sweat. Well, and I love that idea of cognitive sweat. That's great. And as, as a coach, one of the protocols that I've used before in classrooms as, you know, working with teachers when they bring up that maybe questioning is an area of concern or something they want to work on is I literally just go in and I type in every single question that the teacher asks. And then in the debrief part, we sit down and look at that information and we kind of group them into levels of rigor, right? Or that web's depth of knowledge so that they can see how many questions you're asking um, and then what types of questions you're asking. And I've even done before, I'm sure you've heard of like spider webs. So you could see like the way the discussion flows in the classroom. So Mm -hmm. that book sounds like a book that I need to read for sure. Yeah. (laughs) So it'll probably give me some additional tips. Yeah. Um, This year we also did, I wish my teacher knew. And this one is really all about what do you wish your teacher knew? And that one simple question can change everything for students. And sometimes it's hard to ask students that question, but we need to so that we're able to listen to what they need and meet them where they're at. And then the final book that we did only grades K through six was the morning meeting book. And that was a user friendly guide for ideas for getting started and sharing and um, basically incorporating the morning meeting into the classroom. But they they don't do that grade seven through twelve, so that's why it was limited for K six. All of the others were open K to twelve. Well, and that's I mean I was jotting these down, of course, because I always use an opportunity to to add to my book wish list. But there's seven <laughs> books, so you've done seven book studies with your staff, and this is you just said over the past couple of years, right? So yes, two to it, three years. Two years now. Um, one of the questions I had as you were talking was because these are all great, they sound like great books, great topics. Personally, I have not read any of them. I've heard of some of them, but I personally haven't read any of them. And they're all definitely ones that I want to look into. Um, But in choosing those books, I know that you said that as a coaching team, you vetted those books, but are the books tied to district goals, district, district initiatives? I mean, I know you mentioned the grading one, but are all of them ones that in some way or another are going to tie to the direction your district wants to move in? Yes. So when I was listening to last week's podcast and Nick was talking about the importance of having the district goals or the department goals tied to the reading, that is one of the requirements of a flex day in general. So any flex day has to align with the district goals. Um, Our district has a basically a program or I'm, I'm trying to think of what I want to call it. Um, this is probably what you'll have to cut. Um, <laughs> it's totally okay. If it comes to um, you later, that's fine. <laughs> but it's, no, it's, it's called Life Ready Graduate. I know what it's called, but I'm trying to like put it in a box. And yeah. It's not really a box. Um, but within it, we have knowledge, skills, and dispositions that we focus on with our students. So we're focusing on um, the different knowledge components from the courses that they take, the skills that they'll need, like the critical thinking foresees skills and then the dispositions like honesty and grit and things like that so that's what really drives much of what we do and we have an instructional model too that students are at the center of and then there are other components within that so in that case the books are all going to connect in some way to that focus area um so similar to what nick said we definitely keep that focus and you when you submit the flex day submission form, it it has to be included 
how it will connect to okay. the district goals. Okay. That is a requirement. Well, that, that, I mean, this sounds awesome, really awesome. So it sounds like, you know, in, in a previous podcast, I talked about, you know, one of the key conditions for effective professional learning for teachers is that choice aspect. So even though it's somewhat of a forced choice, they do have various different types of books that they can engage in. So it's not just one option every time you lead these book studies, right? There's multiple right. ones they can choose from. And it's not, yep. correct me if I'm wrong, the flex day, they still can choose to do other things, but one of the correct. things they could choose is this virtual book study. Correct. Okay, Yep. that makes sense. Okay, so you talked about the books, which is fantastic. Hopefully listeners are jotting these down because they all sound great. So tell me a little bit about what does it look like in action? So they're reading the book on their own, but what does that piece together, whether it's asynchronous or synchronous, what does that virtual piece look like? So we use Schoology as our learning management system. And prior to the end of the school year, as long as people have signed up by then, they have a deadline for when they have to sign up. But if they would sign up before the end of the school year, they can pick up their book before they leave. And then we send out an email with the access code to the Schoology course so that they know that everything is there and ready to go. So it's all housed in Schoology. But what we realized was this is a book study in the summer and people go on vacation. And the last thing you want to do when you're reading a book is be tied to your computer mm -hmm. to have to go do something on the computer. So we created some bookmarks that go in everyone's book. And each of the bookmarks has an area for focusing your reading. So we try to use best practices with that. So before you read, think about these things. During your reading, do these things. Write in the book. Interact with the text. Ask questions. Do all those things. And then after your reading, reflect, summarize, and whatnot. And then underneath that part of the bookmark, and we can share these. Yeah, I was thinking um, that would be great to have an example of. So listeners, yes, if totally. they're interested, yeah. We have the optional resources that are included in the Schoology course, but as QR codes. So if I'm sitting on the beach or if I'm in my hammock in the backyard, I can quickly go to one of the options being a discussion board where they can connect with other colleagues reading the book or ask questions of them. They can interact with their coach. It's not necessarily monitored to say, um, yes, you completed something within the discussion board. It's just kind of like that grad course feel where interact with your colleagues, interact with the people that are reading it as well, ask questions, discuss um, in the moment. And then one of the other things included is a resource that we've determined of value connected to the text. So for hacking questions, for instance, we made a different guide for each of the hacks. So there are a number of different hacks within the book. It's like a quick access one pager so that they can implement in an easier way just through the hack by hack guide. So that is linked with the QR code, but it's also in Schoology. So if you're someone who prefers to sit through and click and do all that before you read or after you read or, you know, break it up, um, that's also there. And then we have a final survey and that's our evidence of learning. But again, we have the QR code there because we want to make sure that they don't feel like they have to do anything in particular on the computer if they don't want to. And then also, if you're at the beach and you're done and you want to complete it, go for it. So, I love that idea of the QR codes in the book, right? So in the moment, they're sitting there and they're like, wow, yeah, this is a great time for me to pose this question because this just spurred it for me in the text. So right. I love that idea. So on the back then, too, of the bookmark, 
Um, one of the things that I used to do when I was teaching English was create sticky notes. I don't know if you've ever done this, but you could, there was like a trick where you could um, put them through the printer. Yes, print my friend does like. that. I've never done it, but she showed me that last year and I was floored. I was like, what? Okay. Yeah. So what I found was my students were forgetting their worksheets at that time. Like we're talking over 10 years ago, but like I'd have an activity to go with the book and they would forget the activity. Mm -hmm. So what I started to realize was I'm, I'm getting at bigger skills when I'm teaching my students. I don't need to know who the main character was. I want to know how the main character's actions impacted the plot or whatever. So I would give them a question on a sticky note and have them stick it in the book yeah. so that when they read, they could write it down. So this kind of flowed from that where we were like, well, if they're on the beach or in their hammock and they have an idea, where are they going to write it? So on the back of the bookmark, and by the way, the bookmarks are just um, a half a sheet of paper, mm -hmm. like long ways. Um, so we have little things there that like a little icons. So like a light bulb or, um, you know, something just for sparking ideas so that they can jot the ideas down or the takeaways so that they can remember to implement in the moment. That is amazing. That this I'm, 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 I'm so going to steal this idea. I hope that's okay. As coaches, we're always looking for new things. And certainly, like I said, I mean, I feel like we've made a lot of shifts in our district, but we're by no means, you know, ready to go and have everything figured out. So, and, and virtual book studies, honestly, is not really something that we have done. We've hosted in-person book studies, but we have never hosted kind of that longer term virtual book study. So all of these ideas right. are, are really great. One of the things that we found the first year doing the book study was when they completed their exit ticket, basically from doing it, which is, it's us asking for takeaways. So we give them some um, sentence stems, like I used to think, now I think, or I can't wait to share blank with anyone who will listen, trying to get them to kind of elicit those exciting idea sparks that they had. Uh, but one of the things we found was they completed that, but then didn't always come back to it in the whirlwind of the year. And book studies throughout the year have their positives and negatives because it's you could implement it right away. So that's a great positive. But the negative is sometimes we can't focus as much on it. So I think we're still kind of toying with what's best in terms of how we run it. Is it only in the summer? Could you read it throughout the year? Uh, and things like that. But what we found is it's a great coaching opportunity to follow up on those ideas. Yeah. So we respond to everyone and, you know, make a comment about their takeaways and connect, try to connect other teachers if we can. But it's really a nice way to say in March even to say, hey, remember when you read whichever book and you had the takeaway of whatever it was, like, how is that going in the classroom? Have you started to see a difference in student learning or, you know, whatever those questions might be. So it's provided us with an opportunity to put ourselves in a place to coach. I was literally just going to ask you that question because as coaches, we know we're always looking for new ways to connect with teachers and to help them continue the learning. Um, and so my question was going to be, so how do these virtual book studies translate into maybe more coaching opportunities throughout the year since they are held in the summer. And you already, you already answered yeah. that for me. So you, you one talked about, things, three, yeah, go ahead. I don't want to cut you off, but one of the things we are trying this year at the high school um, at this point is to do something that I'm calling continual continued conversations mm -hmm. where anyone who was involved in a book study was invited to meet and talk, but 
it's totally up to them. Voluntary. It's within the school day. But are you laughing because you were gonna? Ask I was me literally this? gonna suggest that. I was like, I wonder if we are like two in the same, Laura. I was gonna say, I wonder if if you just hosted like it's optional. But you know, anybody who read you know, morning meeting, like, hey, we're going to host mm -hmm. this trade time after school. Let's bring coffee. Let's chat. What did you think? What have you tried? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so we're hosting it um, among all the books. Okay. Because what I yeah. was thinking was, if you're someone who read one book, those are the only things that you read and heard about and those ideas. But all of the books have something that you could implement. And I felt like if we came to the session with questions about deepening student learning or concerns about student engagement or whatever it might be, people can then say, oh, in my book, it talked about this. In my book, it talked about this. Like, what if we tried? Um, and I, so my son is five and he was watching Sesame Street the one day and they had this whole thing where it's like, I wonder what if let's try. Mm. And I'm trying to frame everything that way where it's like, okay, I wonder how I can get my students to be more engaged in this topic that we're going to be covering. And then the hope would be that someone would say the rest of it, where it's like, <laughs> okay, I wonder. And then it's like, well, what if you tried? Yeah. And then the final part is like, okay, when we leave here, let's go try it. I love that. See, we'll Sesame see. Street still keeps teaching you long after. You can apply I Sesame know. Street lessons to anything. Yes. Oh, yes. that's, I love that. And I actually like the idea, like you said, of bringing everybody together. So not just groups based off of books, because it like something that I read may spur a question or might spur curiosity for another colleague to read that book or to get together and collaborate. So, and I, and I think just like reflecting on everything you shared, and thinking about how, what your coaching team has created in your district with these virtual book studies, how many pieces of those really great conditions for professional learning you're meeting? Because we know that teachers want that autonomy. They want to be trusted. They don't want somebody necessarily, you know, monitoring every last thing they do. They, we're going to trust them that they're going to, they're going to do it. They're professionals, you know, and we, and we need to treat them like professionals. So I think this is one way to give them the resources honor their time and honor what maybe their summer experiences might be honor you know offering choice by giving lots of different book options but most importantly you know just giving them that time to complete it on their own in a way that works best for them and, but you're still following up as a coach so it's not one and done we're finished we're never coming back to it you're constantly building on their learning throughout the year I think the other goal that we have with this, like we had a few goals related to like exposure to the learning, like direct exposure to the learning, um, not us synthesizing, an opportunity for them to make instructional changes based on the connections and the meaning that they're making from what they're reading. But I also think there's an opportunity to build up our staff members as experts and really engage them in teaching others about what they've learned because as much as as a coach we read and we learn and we you know share out information being a classroom teacher is different than being an instructional coach and hearing from your direct colleagues or like the department head who's trying something from the book that other staff members have read mm -hmm. it just it brings in a different 
a different mentality. And it really, I think, elevates what every teacher could do for everyone else in the building. Well, hold that thought because at some point down the line in my podcast lineup, not that I'm that far planned out, but uh, something in our district that we've had a lot of success with is something we call BLCs, Belfont Learning Communities. So I think when I share about that, that might meet some of your needs as far as kind of cultivating those teacher leaders and bringing them together. So I'll get I'll get that up at some point. Um, Awesome. Okay. So I have so many ideas running through my head, Laura. This is fantastic. I really wish that my coaching partners were here with me to hear this, but I'll just make them listen to the podcast. I'm trying to get them on. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I would love to hear that. Yeah, that would be that would be great. Okay, so to wrap things up here, uh, I end every podcast interview with the same three questions. And so I'm going to pose them to you. They're really meant to be a lightning round. So whatever comes immediately to your mind, Uh, is what you'll share, okay? And it's all related to professional learning. So your first question is, without including any identifying info, briefly describe your worst professional learning experience as a participant and what made it so bad. I don't know that I could name one in particular, but I feel like the general consensus within all of the ones that weren't so great were mainly sit and get sessions or they were called i know you covered this in another one but they were called professional learning sessions but they were really just logistics yes yeah and it didn't grow me as a person Mm -hmm. so just generally speaking i feel like those are the ones where you walk away and you're like i just wasted however much time of my life yeah. sitting in that session. Well, and it happens so often. And that's kind of my goal with this podcast is we're, we're all trying our best here, but I feel like professional learning is an area that we like, certainly if we dedicate the time and we grow our knowledge about what professional re- learning really should be and listen to our teachers, we'll have much better outcomes, not only for the teachers, but ultimately it's about the students. Okay, so your next question is, think about the best professional learning experience you've had and what made it so great. So I think there are two. One was physical and energizing and really just created a sense of urgency with like just enough speed to keep us from getting bored but not so much that it was overwhelming. And then the other one was a session, well, were multiple sessions where it was whole group. And then there was a small cohort of us that would meet together. And then there was individual sessions where we had modeling or data discussions or support in designing lessons. It really was more of a format where we would either all meet together, meet in a small group or meet individually so that we could get the specific needs for each staff member taken care of. So differentiation. Totally. It grew me as a a teacher more than probably anything that I've ever done. And was that something offered within your district or something that you had to go to outside? It was within the district I taught in. That's, That's wonderful. Okay. And your last question, probably the most important question for listeners. If you could give only one piece of advice to those designing professional learning for educators, what would it be? I think my advice would be to give the time and space. And I know you mentioned this earlier and I was thinking, you know, it's, it's so true, but giving time and space for people to do what they need to do and trust them professionally 
with that time and with that learning. So with the book studies, we're able to do that, but sometimes throughout the year, it can be challenging to give people quote unquote time because we want to make sure that we're moving toward goals, but allowing the structure and the function to be more formal in that logistical way, mm -hmm. but having the freedom and flexibility within the learning, I think is really important. And just knowing that we have firm goals, but we mm -hmm. have flexible means to those goals. And again, just like we would hope teachers, you know, the strategies teachers are using in the classroom with kids. So yeah. that's, it's yeah. so similar, best practices, for kids, best practices for teachers. Well, yeah. Laura, thank you so, so much for joining me today. I always learn so much in every podcast when I've interviewed guests, but I particularly learned many new things this time. And I'm sure I will be reaching out to you for maybe some support in planning virtual book studies and maybe even some other listeners after what you shared today. So I really appreciate it. I hope you have a great rest of the school year and I'd be happy to connect any other time. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. All right, friends, that music means we've entered the takeaway time portion of this podcast. So what's your takeaway from today's episode? How could you use some of the ideas Laura shared and apply them to your school or district? Take a minute to reflect and then share out on Twitter using the hashtag PL Playbook Podcast. Okay, so I suppose that's all for today's episode. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter at LitCoachJackieW. If you're interested in being a guest on the show or have ideas for future episode topics, please take a moment to fill out the Google form found on my podcast page. I also would love it if you could share today's episode with any colleagues you feel might be interested. Until next time, edu friends.